Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Okay, let's get the preacher up this evening. And we are excited. Look, everything we do, everything we do doesn't have any meaning or purpose without the Word of God, right? The Word of God rules and governs our lives. Well, it should do. And if you need a little bit more of that, well, tonight might just help you along that road. Amen? So, are you going to open your spiritual ears tonight? God is going to have something for each and every one of us. It might be just a little morsel of his wonderful, powerful world. It might be a huge feast. Whatever it is, if you haven't got your ears open, your spiritual ears, you're going to miss it. So, Father, right now, we pray that we would be attentive. We come against every distraction, every evil plan and purpose to take us away from digesting spiritually your word and having it planted deep within our hearts. So we thank you for Claire. We pray that she would speak your words and those pre-planned words and those impromptu words that you give her as she speaks so that we can all go away from this place strengthened, stronger, with a great resolve and a faith, because faith comes from hearing your word, a faith where we can start to activate your promises afresh again in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give it up for Claire Cooper. It doesn't work as saying the Sarah's O'Connor, Joss. <laughs> good evening, church. I hope you're all good. What a wonderful night so far and a beautiful honouring. And Sarah, I am sorry for fibbing and saying I didn't feel very well and I had to stand up. <laughs> it's been covert all week and I've been avoiding you because I can't keep secrets. <laughs> now let's get to the word of God. Now I want you to think about how absolutely magnificent and powerful God is. Now think about as you think of that, areas of your life where your faith might be struggling. Consider the situations you haven't been able to fully release into his hands. It's the same God who shaped the earth and stretched the cosmos, able to take care of any situation that you might find yourself in. We know that the answer is a resounding yes. Yet sometimes, I'm guilty of this, we have a ridiculous notion that God might need our help. Yeah. So while God does ask for our agreement, he doesn't need us to take over for him so that he can take a break. Yes, he, you know, he, he, he did rest on the seventh day when he created the universe, but since that day, he hasn't needed our help. He hasn't lost his power, nor has his wisdom faded. Only he can set impossible things back in order, and he doesn't need us to play God to try and control things. This is where faith steps in. By learning to rest instead of trying to fix things, the only things, the things only he can change. Can I get an amen on that? Isaiah 44, 24 says this, I am Yahweh, creator of all. I alone stretched out the canvas of the cosmos. I, who shaped the earth, needed no one's help. Are you in a season of waiting, I wonder? Maybe you're frustrated, bored, or impatient thinking there's nothing that you can do while you wait, but there is. Instead of being a passive bystander, you can become an active participant. 
And I wondered as I prepped this message, how long in a lifetime do we spend waiting on the everyday things? Now, as British people, this is a British survey, we spend 6.7 years of our lives just waiting around. That's equivalent to the 11% of the average adult life expectancy. And that's according to research. Now, Ali told me on my 50th birthday, how long have I got left at best? Yeah. So I've got about 30 odd years. <laughs> so all my waiting around is reducing. So it's a bit of a worry, so I need to be an active participant, as do you. Researchers polled the nation and discovered that waiting for food to cook topped the list of the things we wait for. How long do you think you wait around for your tea to cook? This is true, Kate. I, d I think the research was done before air fryers. So it's 17 months of our lives. Yeah, is it crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crackers. Followed by waiting for our kids. Oh, those of us with children, how long do you think you wait around for them to do stuff? I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. How long do you think you wait around for your kids? I feel like I've waited years for my child to do things. It's 13 months. I expected that to be more. And now husbands or wives or partners, how long do you think? <laughs> Ages. Nearly 6.5 months. So I was quite surprised at that. I thought... Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the research also found that other type time-wasting weights include slow technology. We've all got the daisy wheel, haven't we, when it's just going around and around. And that's 5.5 months. Now, as Brits, you think this would be longer. Queuing, how long do you think? Any, any offers on a year? How many? 4.5 months, so Joss was closest. And a staggering four months or 1,873 waking hours out of our lives spent simply waiting for the kettle to boil. <laughs> I Just you, Joss. Um, so I would suggest getting those really hot taps, you know, those really boily taps. We, they've actually, where I work, in the trust where I work in Nottingham, they've taken out all kettles because they did a project on the uh, inefficiency of a kettle waiting to boil. And I was guilty of this because you have a chat with your mates, don't you, when you've got the, the kettle waiting for boils. They've installed hot taps for everybody. It takes 10 seconds now, which is a shame. So <laughs> don't get to have a chat with my mates. Interesting, at no point in my research did I find in national polls how many Brits took the time to pray. How, you know, sort of how, how often as Brits that we pray? Interesting. But the Americans did, of course. And on average, it's 17 minutes a day, equaling to 6,205 hours per year. Amen. Now, that's a lot of waiting around, isn't it, as we've just heard. And I feel like I've spent my whole life waiting. What about anybody else? We wait around for all sorts of things. As a kid, I waited for Christmas, birthdays, always waited to go on holiday love my holidays as a teenager exam results I then wasted for my first boyfriend that should have waited a bit longer and then in my 20s <laughs> we're doing and, and very well no he's in Australia now so we're fine I waited to get married and we know how that ended and then I waited to become a mum and that was one of the biggest and hardest waits of my life through multiple miscarriages IVF but then my wonderful son Harry was born at the age of 27. But through all of that time, it was a hard wait. In my 30s, I waited for my divorce, hallelujah. 
to be finalised. And then I waited on the healing that followed. At the minute, I'm waiting on hospital results. And when I became ill with cancer a few years ago, I waited on that all important uh, you've got the all clear. Then I waited on my son's exam results, waiting to, whether, whether to hear whether he got into uni, then his first job. Of course, the list is endless. And I'm sure I'm not alone when we all seem to be waiting on something. I guess each and every one of us in the room can say there's something that they're waiting on. Now, a few months ago, I was down at Bible College and I was sat in a beautiful garden. I study at Regents Theological College down in Malvern, and it's an area of natural beauty. And I was really, really frustrated about something. And I was getting a little bit cross with God, as we do in the waiting. And there I was praying in this beautiful garden on a beautiful summer's day, strategizing in my mind how I might be able to help him out. Yeah, and then I felt God chuckle in my spirit. Properly heard him laugh. So I stopped and I listened. I didn't hear anything. Then I carried on with my plans and then I heard him again. And it's not a derisory chuckle, it's not a tell you off chuckle, it's almost a, oh, I wish you'd let, I just wish you'd let me do it, Claire. So I sat there and I stilled my mind and my frustrated heart and just listened. Now that's not easy, is it? Often to just listen for God. As I say, I sat there for a couple of hours and then as I meditated and I just listened in that, on that beautiful day, he showed me a picture of a beautiful blank notebook. The pages were pristine white. You've got to love, haven't you? A lovely new journal or notebook. And then I heard stop, and I saw a stop sign in my mind. It's not for you, Claire, to write the story, but trust me to write your next chapter. In that moment, I utterly surrendered and laid down my frustrations about what I was waiting for. And once again, because I've been here before with God, it's a cycle, and I made that decision to trust him. But what does it mean for us to wait on the Lord trust him while we wait have you ever prayed for patience I caution against it <laughs> Kate's going no Brendan's nodding yes I have I prayed for patience about five years ago and my goodness I was tested beyond measure absolutely and I wouldn't I wouldn't pray for it again but to wait on the Lord is to trust that God is at work even when his timetable is longer than we would like it goes against our nature, but part of the problem is how we define waiting. Because you see, biblical waiting involves actively walking in step with God as he unfolds his plans. It's far more than us just sitting there twiddling our thumbs. Waiting is what happens between the promise and the fulfillment. If we learn to wait on the Lord, we will see him do great things. Church, I have to tell you, he will do great things in the waiting. He's done great things in my life, and I know he's done great things in yours. Sometimes God uses waiting to help us see his will more clearly, to embrace it more joyfully when it is made clear. You see, one benefit on waiting on the Lord is only often revealed when in time we look back and see how God worked things out all along. Just because we can't see God at work, it doesn't mean he isn't at work. And our part is to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In the waiting, we're building our trust in God. We need to trust God. When I look back on my own journey, when I gave my life to Jesus around eight, nine years ago now, when I look back in everything that he's done, in my frustration, in my waiting, in my pleading, I can't get over how he's moved. I can't get over how he's moved me on in my life. A woman who was completely broken, 
10 years ago has restored and made whole, but it hasn't been easy. But what does it look like to wait on the Lord? We trust. The Bible says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit his promises. Because when God made a promise to Abraham, Abraham could, he could not swear by anybody greater. From the time God established a covenant with Abraham by assuring he would be the father of many nations. Now, at this time, Abraham and Sarah were longing for a child. God had said to Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. Yet Abraham and Sarah remained childless for 25 years. And in that time, they tried to manipulate the promise. They decided not to wait on the Lord. Now, what did that look like? It was by Sarah encouraging Abraham to marry her maidservant Hagar so that Hagar could provide a son, the heir that was promised. He wasn't the heir that was promised. So Hagar produced the much-wanted heir, or so they thought, but along the way, there was jealousy, attempted murder, and no end of marital strife. Through the manipulation, it brought them nothing but pain. But God, 25 years later, fulfilled his promise and Sarah gave birth to Isaac at the age of 90. 90? Yeah, he was 100. Abraham was 100. <laughs> Wowzers. I had a baby at 27 and that was exhausting enough. But can you imagine giving birth at 90 years of age? And that was to say, 25 years after God promised that they would have a son. You see, then God tested Abraham by asking him to instruct him to sacrifice the much wanted son Isaac it wasn't until after Abraham prepared to offer Isaac as a burnt offering to the Lord that the Lord repeated his promise to Abraham that he would multiply his descendants now I've preached this word before around Abraham and Sarah and every single time I prepared it and prayed about it I can't imagine taking my son Harry up a mountain and preparing to sacrifice him to God Wow, I don't think Harry would be very happy about that either. Now, Abraham's walk with the Lord was intense, but he was willing and ready to sacrifice Isaac. But the Lord stopped him, and he stopped him because Isaac was meant, was destined for something great. But the principle applies to us all. As a result of Abraham trusting the Lord and Isaac being spared, he went on to become the father of Jacob, who was then to go and went on to become to be Israel and led a nation with a great many people. And those generations of people were in the direct line of Jesus. And that's where we are in that direct line as well. You see, Abraham sadly never saw the promise fulfilled of becoming a father of many nations. But still God came through in that promise. Abraham just had to have trust and complete faith in what the Lord had promised. And when we trust and wait on the Lord, no matter what we're waiting on, he assures us that the outcome will be far better than we can ever dream or imagine. I often wonder if Abraham from heaven can see what God promised him to be the, you know, the father of many, many nations. It might not be what we're hoping for, but it's always good for, for us and it's always for God's glory. Now, when I think about how I've man tried to manipulate some situations for God, not in a bad way, just trying to put myself in a certain position or I don't know, but I know I've tried to manipulate and I know God has said no absolutely not leave it to me when we wait on the lord we pray i'm always looking out for hopeful stories or st stories or quotations and the other day i found this one pray hardest when it's hardest to pray 
It's so easy to get discouraged when trials are in front of us or when we're waiting for something. Sometimes the setbacks that happen in life are to build us up and make us stronger in ways we don't understand in that moment. I wonder how many of us have found ourselves in that situation. Either discouragement is going to stop you or drive you. Sometimes you have to say to yourself, you know what? It's not going to end like this. I'm not going to have it. Prayer is at your disposable, disposable, disposal any time, time, day or night. I've had some really difficult nights recently. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm pleased I said this on, at the Hub when I've said it before, I'm waiting on some health stuff at the minute. And some of it's a little bit worrying, but I know it's good. And I had a horrible night where I was really struggling with pain. I was worried and I was anxious. Did I pray? No, I didn't. I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Because I was so in that moment of hurt and worry, I forgot to include God in it. Have you ever had a night where your situation made it almost impossible for you to pray? Many of us experience that long, dark night of anxiety and worry. It seems too difficult to trust in God and leave the situation with him. But the interesting thing is, when it comes to daylight, I don't know about you, I find it easier to pray. Yet we find him closest to us in the darkness. That's what I need to remind myself when I find myself in those situations. Instead of giving it to the Lord, we like to dwell on the problem. No wonder it's hard to pray in hard times. You know, we, we sort of shut God out, don't we? We leave him out of it. Can I encourage you that this word will remind you when you're in the darkness, when you're struggling, when you're anxious. I'm really hoping you do that already. Call on the Lord because he will never forsake you and he will never leave you. Always remember we're not fighting this alone, as I've just said. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Be still. How easy is it to be still? I don't know about you, but I do not find it easy to be still at all. And you might think whatever situation that you find yourself in, it could be, let's take an example of like my health and your health. You could be struggling and worried. What if your job's at threat? What if there's a problem in your marriage or you've got a problem with your kids or your friends? These are real issues that happen every day. If you can't pray for yourself, have time in community. The people that you find yourself here with tonight are your community. Whether you come every single week, whether it's your first time for a long time, whether you come intermittently, we are your family. We are your community. We will pray for you and with you. Come to the Rock Prayer Meeting. If you've never been, I encourage you to come. It's prayerful you'll get healing, you'll be prayed for, and if you're not a prayer that prays out loud, you'll still get something out of it. I encourage you to come. Have the courage to come up for prayer. I know it's tricky when you've got two people stood at the front and you think everybody's watching, but actually nobody is. You know, they're not, because everybody's off getting a cup of tea and their biscuit and they want to chat to their mate. Come and get some prayer. You are not alone. Reach out to praying friends who will gladly intercede on your behalf. You're not alone. I'm going to keep reminding you of that. I reach out to my friends when I'm struggling, when I can't pray for myself. I've got the lovely Irene. I talk about her a lot when I preach. I'll just say to her, will you pray for me? And she's like, of course, my girl. I'm going into my war room. <laughs> Those of us that are mentored by Irene, we all know about the war room. Create your own war room. 
got to War Room, a place where you go and spend time with God in the waiting, go into warfare, spiritual warfare, battle. Let him do the battle. You just need to tell him. People don't know what they don't know. If you're struggling, reach out to somebody that's trusted to you. They can't read your mind. I've been guilty of that. When we wait on the Lord, we have to have faith. And there are two ways to wait. One thing is certain before God moves suddenly, we will wait. Waiting for the Lord, waiting for answers is a fact of life. Nobody gets out of it. So the question is not if we'll wait, but rather how we'll wait. And I believe how we will wait, how we, how we wait will determine how. I said earlier we can wait passively or we can wait actively. But there's a third way to wait. We wait expectantly. A passive person hopes something good will happen and is willing to sit around waiting to see if it does. After a short time, they say, I'm giving up. Nothing's happened. That's it. I've waited and waited. Not happening. I give up. Joyce Meyer says the passive person has a lot of wishbone, but not much backbone. The expectant person, on the other hand, is hopeful, believing the answer is just around the corner, due to arrive any minute. Their belief is not a passive thing. Their heart is full of hope, expecting his problem to be solved at any moment. They wake up every morning expecting to find the answer. That's how I want to be. I want to wake up expectant. They may wait and wait, but suddenly what they wait for has been, the wait for bit suddenly happens. If we put it like a lady waiting for her baby to be born, it's said that she's expecting a baby. She carries inside her the promise of a baby. And even though she can't see it, she knows that it's there. The moment she learns of her pregnancy, she begins to plan for the baby's arrival. She starts collecting items she'll need and busily gets the nursery ready. She actively prepares for the arrival of the baby because she knows that that promise may be fulfilled. Well, it will be fulfilled, but we sadly know for some that that does not happen. For the lady with a successful pregnancy, it's just a matter of time. She's expectant and she will wait for as long as it takes. We know the word wait means to expect or to look for, but to remember it also means to serve. Just like the waiter waits on your table at a restaurant, our act of waiting isn't supposed to be sent sitting around passively, hoping that something will happen soon. While we're waiting, we're eager with faith. Once we've asked God to answer a question or solve a problem, we need to be eagerly awaiting his answer. We need to be serving actively, passionately, unexpectantly. When our hearts are eager to hear from God, he loves to rush in suddenly with his solution. Who has received that solution in time? Anybody? Because I have, and it's wonderful when it happens. In many cases, this waiting period actually serves as a time of preparation for the answer. If God answered right away, many of us will be ill-prepared to handle his solution. I spoke to Joss briefly this morning, and this wasn't in my message, but Isaiah 49 talks about concealed in his quiver. Bear with me while I get this, and I want to talk about, very briefly, about Jesus when he was waiting. The Lord Jesus had 30 years in private, a time of concealment and almost complete obscurity. Before he commenced his three years of public service for God, he was not doing any mighty works or miracles, Neither was he preaching or given any authoritative teaching during those years in Nazareth. 
after those around him. He was a carpenter's son. I know we know this, but I think it's, it's good to remember. He was seemingly part of an ordinary family, unknown, unrecognized, or even unnoticed. He was carefully concealed in God's quiver. A quiver, if you don't know, is something where somebody keeps arrows, and they only take the arrow out when it's ready to be fired. And we know with Jesus, when he went into ministry, it was only three years. Yet, what a world-changing, eternity-changing time. But he waited, he bided his time, and he waited on the Lord. Sometimes we find ourselves in such extended waiting times, it's hard to imagine waiting one more second. But we need to keep waiting on God and trusting him with a childlike faith. Then in a way we could never have figured, God moves suddenly. And all of a sudden, he's there. In the Bible, Paul and Silas knew about waiting, and they waited well. Acts 16 tells the story of how they were attacked by a crowd, beaten and thrown in jail. Verse 24 says the jailer put them into the inner prison. They were in the dungeon, deep underground. And at their feet, they were fastened in the stocks. They were in chains. He was making sure that they couldn't escape. But about midnight, God showed up. I know that we probably all know the scripture, but it's such a beautiful illustration about when God does show up. That would have been a bit nicer, isn't it, if God had come a bit earlier. But Paul and Silas didn't seem to mind. They just decided to start singing, and they began to worship the Lord. They began to wait on God. Verses 25 and 26 say, About midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the very foundations of the prisons were shaken. And once all the doors were opened and everybody's shackles were unfastened, God answered suddenly. And in the suddenly, the jailer witnessed all that was going on and asked how he could be saved. There's always preparation in the waiting. God always has a plan in the waiting. And in your waiting, you never know who you might help or serve. If God had turned up at eight o'clock or six o'clock at tea time, would the jailer have even been there? I often think that. When God turned up at midnight and he witnessed that absolute miracle, he was served, saved, and so was his family. When people patiently, expectantly wait on the Lord, wait on God in the midst of waiting, suddenly God breaks through. Now as a church, Kate and Ali planted this church 13 years ago, and we're, about, and we're planting again. And it's going to happen rapidly. Ali had a, a, a prophetic dream. It's going to happen in the suddenly God is going to move quickly. So don't give up. Don't stop believing. Stay full of hope and expectation. God's power is limitless and he'll break through for you. Our part, as I've said, is to have faith. Be active and be expectant in the waiting. If you're not serving in church, where can you serve? If you're not serving, make a difference. Maybe in the waiting, you could be the catalyst for someone else to have a suddenly moment like Paul and Silas. In the waiting, we worship. But what do we mean by worship? I would say that our thoughts automatically go to corporate worship. The songs we sing to God glorify and praise him. But worship is more than singing songs. Worship is a lifestyle, both in the waiting and when the waiting is over. We can worship by starting our day with him. We wash ourselves with his word. 
we include him throughout the day. We talk to him. We call it praying without ceasing. Be thankful even in the waiting. Enjoy God's creation. Get yourself outside. Go and look and see and feel the sun on your face. Go and walk through a beautiful park. Just sit in God's creation. Love and serve others. To be served and to serve, I think, is one of the most special things that we can do for our fellow Christians and our non-Christians and our families and our friends. We don't just have to serve in church. End the day with the examine. The examine is a reflection of your day. In the waiting, we can be, give grateful and be grateful and give thanks to God. Reflect on your day. Ask for forgiveness where you may have fallen short in that day. I end every single day with the examine. And it fills my heart when I feel the blessing of God upon me and that peace that descends. Be grateful. Even in the darkness, even in the worry, even in the waiting, we can find something to be grateful for. Even when it's hard, we can find it. I'm grateful for the frappuccino that I had this afternoon. I've had a lovely day, actually. I went out for lunch with Cathy and caught up with her. But I've had some really tricky days in the last few weeks. And God always shines a light when I do the examine of what I'm to be grateful for. I'm grateful that my son's coming home and I get to spend time with him. Always look for the gratitude and something to be grateful for. Look forward to tomorrow, even if it's dark, and ask for God to be present in each moment, especially in the waiting. Worship is essential to wait because a Godward perspective helps us to persevere with patience and hope. Endurance Paul, Endurance Paul tells us produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, Ali asks for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing tonight. Don't forget that. Take it with you. During worship, God opens our eyes that we are able to see him, to see all the resources available to us in Christ. We have been bought by his blood. Let's never forget that. He has us and he will not let us go. During our times of waiting, let us not look to false idols. I'm terrible for Netflix. I've ended my subscription so I can spend more time with God because it's filling my time too much. False idols... They take us away from God in the waiting. While we wait, wait on the Lord. Our good Father's heavenly hosts surround us every single moment. They are fighting battles that we never, ever see. Every moment, even while we wait and wait and wait. When in our worship, we catch a bigger vision of the strong and kind heart of, kind heart of God, then we are well prepared for the waiting that lies before us as long as we live on this earth. We will not stagnate in our waiting, but grow and be blessed by it. In corporate worship, as we turn our eyes heavenward, we wait together for the one we long for most, our God who brings salvation. There is a hope that will never disappoint. And when the waiting is over, we will worship the one that fulfills our expectations beyond that we could ever, ever imagine. I'm going to end in prayer and I'm going to hand, hand over to Ali. But we're going to end on a high. Whatever your situation, we're going to praise him. 
we're going to praise him like Paul and Silas did in the dungeon. We're going to praise so the walls blow apart. We're going to praise so the shackles come off. Whatever it is you're waiting for, God is going to move. Of that, I am sure. Father, we are sorry when we have allowed worry and fear to push us to react instead of letting go and trusting you. You are powerful enough to take care of impossible things. Instead of racking our brains and trying to figure out what to do, we will lean into your presence. And whilst we wait for you, we will trust, we will pray, we will have faith, and we will worship you. Amen. Thank you.